Hi, I'm Lenise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat Love Move, a nutrition and well being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. On today's show, we have Jen Wright, who is a cyclical living mentor. She supports creatives working with their natural rhythms, menstrual, lunar, and seasonal, as they build their small businesses. I really love this conversation. We talked about the importance of rest, the power of working with your menstrual cycle, and of course, Jen shared her own period story. Jen has just launched Life Aligned, a three-month productivity and wellness journal. I can't wait to get my copy. And if you're interested, click the link in the show notes to find out more. I hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi, Lenise. <laughs> um, let's start off by getting into the story of your very first period. Can you share with us what happened? Yeah, um, it was, well, I don't really remember all that much about it, which is strange considering how much time I spent thinking about my period in my adult life. Um, I think I was about 13 or 14. I know I was in high school. And all I really remember about it is that I came out of the bathroom and into my mum's room and said, I think I've got my period. And she went, oh god and this kind of like it was, it was a kind of happy sound but it also sounded a little bit bereft which I feel like I understand a bit more now that I'm a mother myself <laughs> um yeah and uh, and other than that I, I I remember that she gave me um that she gave me pads to use um but yeah otherwise I don't really remember anything about the the blood or cramps or any kind of uh embarrassment around it but I do remember later on when I was in high school remembering the embarrassment around it and the shame and the oh like I hope that no one sees anything like don't you know flush the toilet twice and hide everything at the bottom of the bin and the pads were so thick back then (laughs) (laughs) the idea that um that other girls could hear it as I was walking along the corridor things like that um and just always feeling like it had to be this very secret, hidden thing. Why do you think that you developed this shame and embarrassment? I, I don't know, because I remember other girls at school talking about it, you know, almost kind of showing off about, about it and doing a little kind of skit around it and making the others laugh. But I also remember friends of mine telling stories of, I remember one girl saying that she was at her friend's house uh, sitting on their sofa and when she stood up there was blood on the sofa and so she quickly wiped it on her hand and went oh no I've cut my hands and just you know ran out of the house and didn't didn't look back and this idea that it, it had to be hidden and and I don't think I was explicitly given that message at home I remember my mum talking about about it with me um, but I also grew up in a house with three older brothers so I feel that, um, yeah, it was always quite a private thing between me and my mom and just between me and my friends. And it wasn't really talked about in the rest of the house for fear of being made fun of, of these, yes, rather loud older brothers. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you feel that you carry any shame and embarrassment now? 
No, no. On the contrary, I think I'm, I'm probably a little bit too open <laughs> about it now um, to the point where um, a little while ago, I think I, I finally found my boundary with it when um, I was on a Zoom call with, uh, with my daughters and their classmates. They're in nursery and we arranged like a group Zoom call as obviously they've all been on lockdown. Um, and one of my girls announced that I'd had blood in my pants that that morning really loudly to the whole and I was like oh no you just and I kind of tried to like pass it off because it was like this whole group of parents mums and dads and things I was like yep I think I finally found my boundary with it actually (laughs) (laughs) so was it one of those situations where you just kind of like oh yeah kind of explain it away yeah exactly like yeah no that's not yet that's anyway so well as I was saying and just (laughs) (laughs) subject I think there was so much noise going on kids screaming and chatting I don't think anyone heard anyway so um yeah a nursery zoom call I could just imagine the chaos of that (laughs) (laughs) um I want to go back to the story of your you when around when you started your period so you said that your mom she was she was fine but she was a little bit bereft perhaps because it was a transition from your girlhood into through to now puberty how did you learn about what was happening to you do you know I I honestly I don't I honestly don't really remember much I remember I remember classes at school I think very very brief lesson on what would be happening in our bodies um and I was talking to my mum about this a while ago when when I knew I was going to be coming onto the podcast and saying do you remember having that conversation with me and she doesn't, and I don't remember it either. But I've, I'm sure that we must have. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, I, don't, I just don't, I don't remember it. And I, I remember talking to my peers about it at school later after we'd already started and discussing the products that we used. Um, and my friends were always trying to convince me to use tampons because I was just using pads. Um, and it's funny, but even from that kind of that early age and that early stage on the menstrual journey, I felt like my body wants it to come out. I don't want to block it in. And it just yeah. seemed really odd to me to try and stop it from coming out. It's like if my body is trying to expel something, yeah. then surely I'm better to just catch it when it's already come out. So I was just, yeah, I, I couldn't be convinced. And I remember them making fun of me and and like saying that I wasn't really like I wasn't really a woman and I wasn't really grown up for it and I was just kind of steadfast on no that's not that's not right for me they said you weren't really a woman because you weren't didn't want to use tampons yeah it was like it was seen as like the the oh when you get your first period you use pads but when you're really like grown up and really having periods then you 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 use the the grown-up woman's product which is the tampon which again is just feels like it's more hiding it away you Mm. know so yeah I was just I was pretty belligerent about that (laughs) Uh, yeah but that's interesting that you knew your body so well at that point and you you could connect this feeling of I want the blood wants to come out with the 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 need to use pads instead of tampons that I find that that fascinating I've never heard anyone express it like that before oh okay good (laughs) (laughs) um and so do you still use pads? 
Uh, I now use uh, period pants. Oh, okay. Um, but yes, I was using pads up until uh, a couple of years ago when I discovered um, period pants. And then again, just haven't looked back. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And so much less waste as well. Yeah. I've been trying to go plastic free in so many areas of my life. Um, but again, when I, I was out to dinner with um, with a group of like, mum friends and talked about how I just I just discovered period pants and isn't this amazing and just the looks of horror on everyone's faces but but what then you have to you have to then what you have to rinse them out you have to touch the blood and everyone was just seemed yeah totally horrified by this idea I was like yeah guys it's just blood it's um (laughs) it's completely natural but um yes they didn't seem quite on board with it I was very excited (laughs) it's so interesting especially that you had that interaction with a group of moms because when you become a parent, you become very connected with or familiar with fluids, bodily yes. fluids. <laughs> Whether you and, have to or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like the that blood is still seen as like kind of the last frontier and that it provoked those reactions. Yeah. And I really wonder, when did we become so afraid of our own blood you know when does that when does that start and yeah. well it's so interesting isn't it because and again it's not just any blood it's just period blood that is still seen as dirty and that message is given to us from such a young age and through throughout our lives with the simple fact that they're called feminine hygiene products and called sanitary towels and everything makes it sound like oh that area is dirty and what you're dealing with is dirty and needs to be cleaned up and it's just this subliminal message that's constantly told to us that yeah as you say even after becoming parents when we're basically either covered in jam or poo we're still (laughs) like worried about talking about period blood it's um yeah it's crazy so you've talked about how you you bound bound your boundary when it comes to um, (laughs) talking about periods but I want to ask you when did you start to become more open in terms of talking about your period because you described when you were a teenager this shame and embarrassment when did things change? Um, I think probably on my fertility journey they things had to change because I was discussing with so many different doctors and consultants. Um, so it took us, uh, about three years to get pregnant. And, um, again, I didn't, I, I kind of resisted intervention for a while. I was diagnosed with, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was in my early twenties and told that it'd be very difficult to get pregnant. Um, and, added to that I had been on the contraceptive pill on and off since I was 15 years old um which obviously didn't didn't help matters either um but when when I was off the pill and we were um actively trying for a baby uh I was going in and out of all these different kind of doctors uh appointments and so that was when I started to get to know my my very irregular cycle. Um, so sorry, going, going back a little bit when I was, when I was, uh, still a teenager, I, after my period arrived, I would only have one maybe once a one or two a year. Um, so they were, they were still very rare for me. Um, and, uh, they it stayed 
rare for a couple of years when I went to the doctor and said that everything's still very irregular. Um, and I remember that they were very heavy when they did come. Um, and so no other questions were asked. I was just dropped straight onto the contraceptive pill and I stayed on it for six years. Um, and it's only as an adult that I've learned that actually more questions should be asked to find kind of the underlying issues. And also that it's quite normal as a teenager for your periods not to regulate until until you're older. But we're not really given a chance before we're given the contraceptive pill. Um, oh, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> Go back to what you were saying about the pill and talk a bit more about why you came off it because you started at 15 and then you um, came off you were on it for six years so you came off when you were 21 what made you decide to come off the pill so I think a number of reasons I I had been quite quite miserable and quite moody (laughs) throughout my later teenage years which again I think everyone put down to adolescence I put it down to my own adolescence and you know boy problems and things as well um but actually looking back I do wonder whether it was something to do with that because when I came off the the pill things did change for me emotionally over a couple of years I I found myself in quite a toxic relationship and it was kind of like I saw sense a little bit um, and like something in me woke up uh, and I, I found my way out of that relationship, fortunately. And um, I then, yeah, I, I then went back on the pill uh, again, feeling like everything's still irregular. If I, if I don't want to keep going out and being surprised by my period arriving, like when I'm out and about, then the only option for me is to go on the pill. Uh, so I went back on the pill for a few years. Um, and then as I say, my husband and I wanted to, uh, try for a baby. And, uh, so I only came off the pill, like literally a a few months before we actively started trying. Uh, so I started going to, uh, yeah, different appointments where they started to tell me all of the options for me, uh, which all sounded just like something that I didn't that I didn't want um and I was very I was adamant with my husband from the beginning that I I wouldn't want to go down the IVF route if things were difficult for us for years I wouldn't want to go down the IVF route and again it kind of comes back to that not wanting to do the opposite of what my body wanted to do as if my body is telling me that it's not ready for whatever reason or it's not doing it for whatever reason then I need to sort out my body not force it to do something it doesn't want to do um and that was just what felt right to me personally so before um before I tried any of the the options that the doctors were offering me because I was going back for you know blood tests and hormone levels and all that um and while I was having that I went to acupuncture um and started taking Chinese herbs and things um, and tried that for about six months, I believe. Um, but unfortunately, it, it didn't seem to be having the right, the right effect. If anything, I felt actually a little bit poorly <laughs> over the months that I was taking the Chinese herbs. And, and um, uh, my acupuncturist was so wonderful. And she was just like, I think that you're just very sensitive to this um, 
to this style of intervention and maybe it's time to try something else. And I was like, okay, I'll try something else. Um, and so ended up uh, taking uh, a drug called Clomid, which mm-hmm. was to, to um, kind of force ovulation. Um, and again, they said that I needed to uh, take it when I started my period. And obviously as my period was still only coming once or twice a year, uh, they offered me progesterone to bring on a fake bleed. And again, I was like, I'm not taking that because to bring on a fake bleed, how is that going to help me get pregnant? That's nothing to do with my natural cycle. Mm. Uh, so I said, I'm just going to wait. You know, it might take a few months, but I'll wait until my period actually arrives. Unfortunately, just about six weeks later, um, my period did arrive. So I took the Clomid and uh, fell pregnant with twins which was a bit of a shock. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my body obviously was just uh, ready to wake up at that point, I think. Um, Yes. And then uh, obviously no menstrual cycle while pregnant. And uh, at the beginning I had my, my girls, I was um, expressing and attempted to breastfeed and it didn't, didn't work for me with, with the two. They they were premature and both had tongue tie and um, it turned out, uh, quite serious um, dietary issues with one of my daughters as well and so ended up switching to formula and so quite early on my period returned and I just remember being furious about it just like I waited so many years for my menstrual cycle <laughs> to sort itself out and now at this point where I don't need to ovulate and I don't need I don't want to have more babies now it's suddenly going to start turning up like clockwork and it did it started coming uh, more and more regularly and more and more frequently um almost as if my body had gone ah I understand what I uh, what I'm supposed to do now okay yes I'm going to kick it into gear um, yeah your story is so interesting because you ostensibly had PCOS but then but because your periods were so irregular when you were a teenager which is actually really common that you know, then you started taking the pill, which suppresses ovulation, came off the pill, went back on it again, and then came off the pill, then had to take a drug to stimulate ovulation. It's fascinating. And then you got pregnant and gave birth and your periods, they just, your menstrual cycle resolved itself. Yeah. And so it's really fascinating how quick, the doctors were to put you on the pill when you were 15 when perhaps you know hindsight being 2020 mm. it may have been better to just wait to see what have what 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 would have happened naturally to your body yeah completely and and i wish I just wish I'd known then what I know now because i don't believe I would have taken the, the pill at all mm. um and yes, maybe I wouldn't have spent my, most of my life thinking, oh, I have hugely irregular periods because the fact that they're regular now, I mean, they are every kind of 35, 36 days usually, um, but that's still regular. I can still plan around it and I can mm. still track it. Uh, maybe that's what would have happened 
anyway if I just let my body kind of ease itself into it rather than going yep you're not doing the right thing I'm gonna fill you with drugs and and then again years later going yep you're not doing the right thing I'm gonna fill you with drugs Um, so and and again it wasn't raised when I was talking to consultants about uh all, all the different things they were offering me to help me get pregnant it was never really addressed the fact that I'd been on the contraceptive pill for that many years it was never you know, I, oh, I was told kind of, oh, well, you only came off such and such time ago, so you need to give your body time to regulate itself. Mm. But it was otherwise that that was it. Mm. It was never mentioned again. You said something interesting about um, you you were going to go on the Clomid, but you were uncertain because you felt like, oh, but prior to that, you didn't feel like your body was ready to do to go on that you wanted to find another way and that's again then the, another example that you've mentioned where you've really been able to tune into your body and be able to listen and it's fascinating because that's something that I'm starting to see more and more more women being able to kind of start to listen to their bodies and listen to what what their bodies are telling and actually respond to that not just hear it and then just kind of carry on how have you continued to develop that kind of connection with what your body's telling you um so well so um early last year I was I was talking with a with a friend um and she recommended the book period power to me um and I think from reading that it was just it, it was just like a mind-blowing moment learning all of this all of these facts about my body and my hormones and just how how much is affected by hormones because we still talk about it as if it's just we get we get kind of emotional and and pain for a week and then we bleed for a week and that's it and the rest of the time we're not on our period and that's it but actually the cycle is constant we are always on this cycle of um of different hormones flowing through our body so of course that's going to affect us um every day in a different way uh so yeah everything that i've learned from period power and my own fertility journey and I then I then became like a voracious reader of anything that was about the menstrual cycle, um, and also reading. Uh, and I mentioned to you before the um, how the pill changes everything by Sarah Hill, which was fascinating mm. um, and gives you so much more insight into everything that the the hormones do. Because again, you think of it all just affecting your uterus basically and actually it's all these signals from the brain um and they affect your entire body um and and your mind so uh yes i've just been kind of trying to bring that learning into my day-to-day life and then into my mentoring work as well uh so when when i start when i started mentoring women uh back in 2018 um i already was very adamant with them when we were talking about their kind of their to-do lists and and their ideas and everything they wanted to do something that was always key for me to bring up in the conversation was okay but when are you resting 
you know, when, when are you going to do something fun for you? When are you creating just for the sake of creating? Um, and how frequently the answer was just, oh, no, I don't, I don't have time to do that. Or no, I hadn't even considered that. I don't, I, how could I possibly do that? I'm already like running on empty. It's like, well, yes, you've just answered your own question. <laughs> uh, if, if you rest and give yourself a chance to just sit and breathe and you know, the ideas that you feel blocked around will flow more easily and give your body a chance to, to recoup. And, um, I guess I've just, I've just now in, increased those questions with my clients and we work them around the, the menstrual cycle. So I was talking to a client a couple of days ago and she was laying out all of, all of this work that she wants to get done over the next few weeks. Uh, and saying, yeah, it feels it feels manageable, you know. Um, you know, I've got this lot of stuff here and this lot of stuff here. And I was like, okay, but when when is your bleed due? Aren't you um, aren't you due to? And she was like, oh yeah, I'm actually due the day of that deadline. Maybe I should shift that and kind of trying to bring that consideration into into our work because it it does affect us. And I think a lot of, a lot of women still fight that saying, no, I am in control. You know, I say that I need to do these things and I will get on and do it. And it's like, well, you are your body. And if your body is saying that it's time to rest, then listen to your body rest and you will be so much more productive and feel so much brighter and more positive for having that rest. Um, yeah, and I've been trying to practice what I preach <laughs> <laughs> for the most part. Why do you think we're so resistant to rest? Oh, the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just, we're just oh, indoctrinated with this belief that we have to be busy. We have to be busy all the time to really be seen as contributing and really being seen as being productive um and I'm a victim of that myself you know of um you know I had a very busy very stressful um office job for years and even when I started working for myself I ran a um a stationary brand for a few years um I just still felt like if I wasn't working all the hours then how could I possibly ever be successful and how would people take me seriously um, and it just it's just a one way ticket to burnout you know and you don't do your best work in that space um so and it, and it's mad that we we leave these jobs going oh i don't want to be in the rat race i want to start my own business and then we work harder for ourselves than we would ever accept working for for somebody else um and it is it's this old kind of patriarchal view of you know i must work the same every day day in day out must make money must you know just keep going no matter what mm. so it's interesting what you're saying about um this patriarchy and produ productivity and needing to work harder for yourself i because i could completely relate to all of it i um i'm actually on day three of my period right now and so Saturday, I I ha usually have lots of stuff to do in the morning, but for whatever reason, things got cancelled out of my diary. So all of a sudden, I had all of this free time. My husband and son were out of the house, off to play football, 
and I said to myself, why don't you just read and rest? I had a book that I wanted to really get into. It was an, a fiction book, which I love reading fiction and I don't read enough of it. And um, I, I was like, just lay in bed. You don't feel good. You're tired. Just lay down and read. And there was so much resistance to it. I kept looking over at my laptop and thinking, maybe I should just do this. No, read. Maybe I should. <laughs> and in the end, I read, I actually finished the whole book. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a fast reader. So um, I re- read the whole book and I felt so much better by the end of the day. And I, I, I just, it was just a reminder. Firstly, practice what you preach. <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> that rest rest is so important. Rest yeah. is like almost it feels revolutionary at times. Yeah, it does. And it's like you say, you're looking around going, Oh, well, maybe I should do that first. Almost like you have to earn this right to then sit down and read your book. And it's like, do you know, you've you've already earned it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here is your permanent permission slip. When yeah. you feel tired, it is a message from your body to sit your butt down yeah. and just rest. <laughs> and it's like we listen to all of these other messages from, from our body, you know, like just the, the simple case of the circadian rhythm of just, okay, it's nighttime, I'm tired, I'm going to go to sleep. And obviously there are a few people that were still going, no, I will stay awake for as long yeah. as humanly possible and fight against that. But the, the average person will go, will accept, I'm tired, I'm going to go to sleep. And yet we're like, oh, I really feel like I need a rest. Or oh, I better do all of the housework and answer all of my emails and just, you know, sort all of this out first. It's like, no, just, just sit down, woman. I want to talk more about the mentoring work that you do and how you've managed to tie in the ebbs and flow of the menstrual cycle um, around that. Talk a little bit more about how you educate your clients about that and whether there's any resistance they have to incorporating that into the way that they work. So, yeah, I don't think I've actually encountered any resistance with my clients, which has been brilliant, other than kind of them not being aware of how much it affects at the beginning when we start talking about it um, to, you know, a mere few weeks later or a month later going, I, I can't believe that now I've been tracking it. I can see exactly where it is that I should be, you know, resting or where I should be planning that deadline and and that's that's such a good way of looking at it rather than resisting this idea that um you're not in control it's taking control of it and going right I'm gonna I'm gonna track track my cycle so I can plan for my next one and know that oh there's that networking event that week that I'd really like to go to oh god I'm gonna be on day like 28 or day one and I'm really not going to feel like talking to people and I'm going to mess up all my words um oh but there's this networking event that falls around ovulation when I'm going to be like really confident and feeling sexy and I'm going to go and talk (laughs) to everyone and sell them what I do and just being able to being able to plan that way is um is hugely empowering and liberating um and I did it myself the first time kind of uh end of last year I was like okay I'm actually going to put this theory into practice for myself um and I booked my first um 
professional photo shoot going and getting some some photos taken from my website and uh, she offered me some dates and I was like oh great that date falls on kind of as the moon is becoming full and I'll get into the lunar phases as well Um, (laughs) and just as I'm coming up to ovulation so I'm going to be feeling like more confident more energetic a little bit more playful Um, and and it I did I felt great something that would usually fill me with so much dread and I had to get up the early hours and it was a freezing cold day and like travel and there were train delays I had to go up north um and usually I'd be just a ball of stress by the time I got there but I was still just so excited and um and it was a brilliant brilliant day and I think that if I'd booked that a couple of weeks uh, later or earlier when I was you know in the middle of my period or something it would have been a completely different experience um yeah (laughs) can you talk a bit more about lunar lunar phases so you have a brilliant facebook group for anyone who's listening i'll put it in the show notes it's called life aligned and you talk about not only menstrual cycle tracking and what that can brings you in terms of work and life uh, but you also talk about the moon phases I don't know a huge amount about it so I'd love to hear m- more from you about what it what what it's all about sure so um yeah because the group stemmed from my desire to kind of bring bring what I was learning to a wider audience because um, obviously I went one-on-one with with people but um I, I started the group to just to see kind of how it how it would work in a group setting talking about cycles but obviously it would be very difficult to talk about everyone's individual menstrual cycle if you end up with lots of different people and different different um timings so I thought well we'll do it around the the lunar cycle and I'll talk about how that reflects the energy of the menstrual cycle because it does mirror it so from um the new moon would be uh reflective of uh your menstrual stage your bleed when energy is at its lowest and light is at its lowest and you just feel like being kind of indoors and cozy and hibernating um a waxing moon would be uh spring you know energy is starting to return i'm sorry in spring you're you're uh, follicular phase when you're coming out of your bleed and heading towards ovulation and uh, estrogen is starting to rise in your body and you're starting to feel a little bit more energetic a little bit more playful um, and then full moon uh, is reflective of ovulation when you're yes feeling most confident and outgoing and productive and you kind of want to share your ideas with the world uh and then uh, as the moon wanes again and the energy starts to wane also and light starts to wane uh would be reflective of the luteal phase so post ovulation and estrogen drops progesterone starts to rise and you just kind of want to hunker down um and uh, yeah, kind of getting back into that hibernation mode. So in terms of the lunar cycle, do you talk about, because it, you can see the connection for people who are still menstruating, but for someone who is either going through perimenopause, menopause or postmenopause, do you talk about how does it work in terms of connecting your lunar phase um with whatever else is going on in your life 
So yeah, that's that's exactly it. When when you're not having that menstrual cycle uh, for whatever reason, if you're, you're pregnant, breastfeeding, menopausal, or for whatever reason, um, having the lunar cycle to look to to ensure that you're still taking time to rest and that you're still kind of working on that cycle rather than working on a treadmill um, is is really important. Um, so. Yes, I think that was. Uh, I lost my train of thought again. Sorry. Um, so the you you were saying that for people who who don't have a period for whatever reason, using the lunar cycle is a really nice way to to rest to remind yourself to rest um, because you don't have that menstrual cycle to to co- connect with. I think that's really interesting because I get those questions a lot. Well, I talk about menstrual cycling, cycle, menstrual cycle tracking a lot. And people will say to me, oh, well, I don't have, I don't, I take the pill, so I can't do this. Or I'm menopausal or postmenopausal. How does this work for me? And I love that lunar cycle tracking as a tool because, again, it's a reminder to rest and it's a reminder that, we are still cyclical beings, uh, even if we aren't, don't have a menstrual cycle for whatever reason. We need to rest. Rest is a rest is important. Rest rest is our right. Mm, it is our right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Exactly. It, it gives um, still gives women a way to kind of ground themselves um, rather than going back to that kind of working every day in the same way okay so it's we're coming to the new moon I'm going to schedule in a couple of days to just take a break and really kind of practice self-care yeah so if you had one thing to say to someone who's listening to this podcast what would you what would you want that to be what would you want to leave them with oh yeah, I, th- I think the most important thing is, to, to sound like a broken record, is resting and listening to your body. Uh, again, so often we we do fight, we automatically fight against this idea of taking a break and this fear of um, looking like we're not contributing and we're not being productive. Um, and... Uh, I read the, the brilliant Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which I feel like almost everyone has read now. And if you haven't, I highly recommend it. Um, she speaks about how, you know, the what we're all striving for is to be selfless, to kind of make ourselves disappear so much that we are seen as completely selfless. And this is like the epitome of being a good, a good person, a good mother, a good woman. Um, and I think that is so ingrained in us that we feel it's it's selfish of us to want to like you say sit down and read a book um but actually it's so so important for our own our mental health our physical health to just keep ourselves rested um so we can carry on like keeping our brain firing on all cylinders and keep bringing our brilliant ideas to the world and keep like looking after whoever we're giving care to, you know, our children or our family or our community, um, we need to be rested in order to do those things. That is such a brilliant message. And I really 
encourage all of my listeners to take that to heart. Rest is so powerful and it's not necessarily just about being productive. It's also about feeling better in yourself and just feeling your best self to, to quote Oprah. (laughs) How can listeners find out more about you? Uh, you can find out more about me on uh, my website, which is sillyheart.co.uk. Um, and I am sillyheartco, or one word, across pretty much every other social network going. Um, and you'll most likely find me hanging out on Instagram. <laughs> and, and your Facebook group? Um, yeah, um, my Facebook group is uh, Life Aligned, um, and it's a, a, a closed group. So everything you um, kind of share in there is uh, just within within the group, and it's such a friendly, warm, calming space. It's really lovely. Uh, yes, you can find me on Facebook on Life Aligned. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jen. It's so brilliant to talk with you, connect with you, and find out more about what you do. Thank you so much for having me. For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Lenise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.